Hi, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Evolving Media Podcast, where I, together with guests, try to make sense of the changing world of media and look at how we as producers, creators, and all-around storytellers can thrive in these new circumstances, challenges, and possibilities that we're coming up against. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the world of documentary filmmaking. My guest is Jan Rofekamp, who started his company Films Transit in 1982 and has been a sales agent, producer and executive producer for a great number of documentary films since then. I met him when he was the director for the Documentary Campus Master School last year, and I can think of few people who better would be in a position to talk about what's happening with the world of documentary filmmaking and what the future might look like. Let's dive in with Jan participating on a slightly challenging telephone landline from Athens, Greece. So just let me start by saying that Jan, I'm very happy that you agreed to to uh, join this uh, podcast and talk a little about a little bit about your experiences from the documentary field and what you see happening today and and perhaps for the foreseeable future as well. Uh, now you're in Greece, and I am envious of you. Just tell me a little bit about the weather there right now. The weather is actually quite nice. It's like probably 18 degrees. It's sunny. I did my morning walk, and I could do this uh, not in my t-shirt, but in a sweater, instead of the thick Canadian coats that I used to wear when I was living in Canada. But it's okay. I mean, it's not swimming weather, but it's almost. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm not there. for dinner, and we may have, we may. Yeah, okay, okay, that's that, that's enough. That's enough. That's. that's <laughs> I'm becoming. All a right, so bit maybe too maybe, maybe it's interesting, Simon, to sketch a little bit, uh, a bit of history to of place, course, yeah. to find out why the documentary world is is where it is now. Absolutely. Uh, I've been I've been uh, working working with Film Transit, my company, since '82. Uh, before I was in Holland in distribution in all kind of parallel distribution uh, mechanisms, uh, um, sort of cinema clubs and stuff like this. In I, I see I, I see three major um, events that sort of changed this whole landscape over the last decades. And the first was the the, the arrival of video of portable video also for filmmaking, which is the mid 70s. And then in the mid 80s, the specialty channels started to come up. These were before there was only public broadcasting, but then all of a sudden there were like National Geographic and there was Discovery Channel. And I think that these these specialty channels uh, in the mid 80s uh, sort of in, in increased the overall interest in documentary format. All of a sudden, these people started to buy a lot. Uh, now later they started to produce a lot, buy a lot in the beginning. And the documentary world reacted also at the same period of time, mid-80s, late-80s. The documentary world started to uh, organize itself in festivals and markets. Uh, it first started to become important. And you see now there's a whole lot of documentary events and film festivals all over the world that all started in that period. The, the third big event we are right in the middle of now, which is the online business, the online revolution that will completely change the landscape. So, I mean, we're in the as you said, we're in the midst of the third revolution right now, which is the online business, which is starting to take shape and and has been taking shape for some years now. But people are still looking to find the right way and the right way to to approach it. What, what do you see from your point of view? If you're a new up and coming producer, how do you approach today's world? It's it's is it is it a mix of the the old like traditional ways? 
combined with the new, or or how how would you see that people approach? It's very, it's very interesting. Like recently, I was part of the documentary campus in uh, in Leipzig, and uh, in Leipzig there's this pitch event where a number of documentary projects are pitched for potential clients, and all of a sudden I realized. Uh, that the people around the table were actually still the classic documentary buyers. And I also read that the people who are uh, proposing projects, most of them still just want to make an ordinary documentary. So there's this whole world, the whole new world around us that sort of makes us excited and tries to invite us to uh, uh, consider new formats and new shapes. But the hardcore of the documentary world is still the classic documentary, which is quite interesting, actually. But the problem that we find is that uh, out of the 80s came those broadcasters as the main supporters for the documentary genre. The broadcasters are a bit in trouble. You see all over Europe, uh, the broadcasters are uh, under cutbacks from their governments. And the what is what's going to be, what, what has to replace basically that sort of source of revenue should be the online world. The problem is that we're not really there yet. You see that uh, uh, funding funding for documentary production is still the classic film funds in the different countries combined with broadcast and maybe here and there some theatrical. But the new the new world, call it the new world, is not really in place yet to replace what is actually slowly moving away from the documentary world, which is the broadcast. And I yeah. guess it's it's the thing with the, the online world. Most people have for years now been used to getting almost everything for free online, right? Whereas it takes money to make a good documentary film. That's absolutely true. I mean, I mean, I mean, there are there are still uh, producers that I know who uh, who basically take stuff from the internet and think it's free to use in their movie, which is quite amazing. But I mean, but that's 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 that's, but that's true. But there's a there's a concept of the internet is free. That means that uh, the willingness of an audience to pay for it, it's uh, it's still not really there yet. I think that's why if you go if you if you if you try to launch your films your documentary films through the online, the most important thing to think of is uh, to find groups out there, audience groups out there linked to your subject matter. So they find interest uh, in a direct way in the film that you have to offer. So a couple of episodes ago, I had Mike Monello on here talking about uh, when they're launching, they've launched Video Palace, which was a horror drama podcast that they that they use a podcast to start up the, the the franchise or the or the IP, and then they look to to enhance it into perhaps books or films or whatever. So, so do you feel that is that because most documentary filmmakers I talk to are eager to make a documentary film, which is quite natural. Yeah. But perhaps it's it would be reason to look at what the idea or the topic you're addressing, and see if there is some other place where you can start the narrative and start reaching out to these people and start building. Uh, the momentum that will then finally end up in a film. Well, you know, I mean, I've I've seen situations. You know, I, I've done I've done, and I'm still doing quite a bit of what we call debriefing after these pitch sessions. So people are pitching the project, and people make comments, and myself and other people we debrief those filmmakers to discuss with them after the pitch. So what happened at the table, and what kind of what kind of conclusions you can draw. And there are, there are moments that I've said to people, you know what. 
maybe what you want to do, maybe it's better to do something online instead of making a classic documentary. Because if the real market, the broadcasters, the classic broadcasters are slowly slipping away because of political support, the lack of political support. The theatrical market is a complete nightmare and basically uh, uh, dependent on big names, the draw of big names, the Herzogs, and maybe now the Kosakowski uh, filmmaker, the Victor Kosakowski, they get maybe some theatrical exposure. But, um, and, then, and then the DVD market is gone. Uh, there are still a few countries where it still is an, an issue, but most of the countries doesn't really exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So if you want to spend two years of your life, three years of your life funding, trying to get funding for a documentary, which is like, has a budget of like 400,000 euros, maybe it's just sometimes not that such a good idea anymore. And maybe if you are looking for your story for, for, for an audience, for public, there are other ways to find these people. And then those filmmakers look at me and say, oh my God, but I want to make a documentary. And the reality of making a documentary and the reality of the success of a documentary, it's, it's, it's become very, 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 very uh, iffy, you know? Mm. So uh, do, do you feel that documentary films have a future as a, as a storytelling method? That's a very good, that's a very good question. You know, if you look at the if you look at the possibilities, where to show them, and yes, it's true. I mean, there are, there are the, the real theatrical setting where people watch a film with an audience uh, on a big screen is still an extraordinary experience. But it's become so expensive, to, uh, and there are so many films on the market. Sometimes I don't know. I mean, if of that documentary, the classic documentary genre still has a future. I mean, uh, as long as public broadcast exists, and I hope it will exist still for a long time to come, there will be interest in documentary. I, I'm sure. Uh, whether it's so widespread and whether it's so massive, I'm not so sure about it. It really, really depends on the political support that these uh, broadcasters receive from their governments. I think that another future uh, for docs is. Is, is a different format. I mean, the, the classic feature doc or the classic one-hour format that we've known for so many years, uh, the online world is very different. The attention span of people is very, very different. So you'll see storytelling storytelling in the form of documentary probably continue, but in slightly different forms. Mm. And, and, uh, and I mean, I see, I see projects uh, uh, being pitched and I talk to filmmakers afterwards and I say, you know what? Maybe it's a better option to to chop your film up in short little pieces and and set them put them online via via online mechanisms instead of instead of making a documentary going through all that all that that long process and in the, ending up with a sale to a TV sale to Holland and to a small channel in Spain and maybe uh, Bulgaria. Mm. You know that's a real problem. The other problem that I have to I have to signal is that since that documentary world has grown into something which seems to be very popular, there are a lot of organizations uh, to help those documentary filmmakers, and all these organizations invite people basically to become part of this very very sort of nice world. It caused an incredible increase in the number of filmmakers. Also, of course, the fact that it's potentially cheaper to make those documentaries. Uh, an incredible increase in documentary filmmakers, 
So we've been, I just recently, uh, just a few days ago, I saw an, an, a post somewhere where the Sundance Film Festival had this year more than 14,000 submissions. Hmm. I mean, can you believe 14,000 submissions of documentaries? Wow. Uh, not And fiction, of course. And that's quite amazing. I mean, that has been increasing over the years, but now it's reaching numbers that make the viability of your film in a market situation very, very hard, very, very difficult. I mean, in my, in my job, we, we spent a lot of time, I spent a lot of time pushing the films that I represent for international film festivals to make them seen, to make them being noticed. Even to the point that, uh, for instance, if you talk about ITFA or maybe Berlin or another festival, that I don't really care if it's in competition as long as it's there, as long as it's in the program. Uh, I just was in ITFA and we have these, the video library, the Doc for Sale video library, and you notice very clearly that because of the massive numbers of more, the buyers, the clients, and the potentially interested parties, they watch the films that are in the selection. Yeah. I have like 10 films in the video market, and the films that are most watched are the films that are in the program. You know, it's like a, almost like a natural pre-selection that's happening. But it makes it very hard and very difficult. I'm not even talking about the prices that people pay for films, but that's yeah, another story. That's another story, yeah, for sure. But do you feel that that producers nowadays they they need or creators or whatever you want to call them needs to be a jack of almost all trades? I mean, you need to be the you need to know about the production side, of course. You need to have a grasp on direction, but you also yeah. need to be be looking actively for funding and you need to be selling but you also need to the audience outreach and be the face of the project towards the audience yeah. i mean it's 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 a it's a you need to be very multifaceted today it's absolutely true it's absolutely true but i think the, the, the question before you start to do all of these things is the one most important question if you want to make a documentary is if you want to make a documentary for your domestic audience or if you want to make a film that you want to travel. I mean, that is, that is a very, very important choice. I mean, yeah. I've, I've, been, I've been looking at projects for another big pitch uh, event, and there are very clearly films that I see at this moment will never be exportable, because, but they have a very good life at home domestically. Mm. So that, that question is really important. If you want to do uh, documentaries that travel, then of course you have to spend the time to develop that 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 trade in your in your company and then it's and then another thing which is really important if you want to make films that travel it's i think it's increasingly important to find co-production partners i mean i did uh, in at sunnyside uh, last year last summer i did a little job for a canadian producer uh, an experienced canadian producer who wanted to have links uh, with companies in france uh, england and germany and i set up i set up about 15 meetings with producers so that they can actually create that network uh, with with funding um, in in not in all countries but in some countries in uh, in jeopardy you need to build uh, relationships i think building relationships with producers in other countries is a very good idea. One final question at the, uh, uh, as we're wrapping up this episode of the podcast, and I'll be, as I said, I, I'd be very happy to have you back again because this is a, this is this is a topic we could discuss for for hours. Uh, but what's your Absolutely. vision? What's your vision for the future of the documentary documentary film field? Do you feel it's a dystopian one, a utopian one, or is it somewhere in between? Does it depend on on what actions and and what what, what decisions are are taken over the next couple of years? 
You know, if you look if you look around at the documentary field, filmmakers will continue to make documentaries. That's for sure. I mean, they 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 like it and they love to do it and they'll continue to do it. The trouble the trouble is where they will get the funding from and where they will get those films seen. That is in 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 a bit of a turmoil, a bit developed. As I mentioned earlier, the broadcasters are having a hard time uh, keeping their funding uh, on a level. Uh, the theatrical the theatrical business is extremely selective, but they will continue to make their films. Uh, they will filmmakers will eventually find ways, I think, to monetize the uh, the online business. Uh, I mean, five years ago, I would not dare to give some of my films to some of those online platforms. Today, I do it. So there is a development happening. Mm. Whether it will replace the the broadcast funding is to be seen. The thing with broadcast broadcast is is a is a relatively big amount of money for one for one contract. You sign away broadcast rights and you get paid for it. Online is depending on viewers. It's depending on clicks, mm. and the clicks uh, translate into money. So you need to work very very. And broadcast is very simple. You deliver for the film to the broadcaster, they air it and you get paid. Online, I think filmmakers in the future will have to be involved in the distribution of their films and work with the distributor uh, in order to get those clicks. I mean, I'm involved in a film called Dolphin Man, which is an, uh, a Greek-French-Canadian co-production about Jacques Mayol, the, the free diver in, from, the, from the 60s and the 70s. Mm-hmm. And we are, we, are, we are made a deal with an online online sales agents, so an online company, no, a company that actually sells to different online platforms, but we are mobilizing the American Free Divers Association. Yeah, These are the people who are doing that, what Jack Maliol did. And they are getting behind the rollout, which is actually happening, happening I think, tomorrow, on December 4th, uh, with, with blogs, with internet posts, with all kinds of things, and that is the way to go. You have to find for the future uh, concerned groups in society that concerned organized groups that can support your your attempt to get as many clicks as possible that's the key thing these what you now see in these uh, events market events these seminars about outreach these seminars about uh, the audience finding is really really important because that is the way to go i guess and it's going to be i think I'm, I'm quite sure it's going to be so interesting to see how it evolves. And I look forward to having yeah. you back on the podcast in a while to, to discuss what's been happening over the winter and so forth. But I'll, I'll let you get back to your plus all 18 right. degrees and, and your dinner outside and all of those things that I'm not envious about at all. And, and I'll talk to you in a bit. Thank you very much, Jan. Yeah, we can, we can, we can swim in the, we can still swim in the sea, but you guys oh, yeah. also swim in the very cold water. Huh? Yeah, we just need to dig a hole in the ice first and then we'll swim in the sea as well. All right, Sam, I hope it's okay. Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much. All right, take care. Bye. Bye.